Hello Rebels, before we kick off today's episode, let me ask you a question. What if we could help you unlock your marketing superpower in one day or less? Actually, to be precise, I mean three hours. Yes, you heard it right. What I'm asking you is three hours of your time to join us for a brand new intensive experience on Marketing Deep Dive. One day masterclass that will help you create marketing strategies that capture hearts and mind. And every single masterclass is going to dive deep into one of our favorite topics of marketing. Maybe that email marketing, hiring, or even automations and beyond. If you want to get the fast track ticket to become irresistible, then I suggest you check out our upcoming marketing deep dive, where you're going to get two hours of hands-on training with lots of exercises and practical group work as well. Plus one hour bonus office hours and Q&A. Oh, and we also have a personalized dashboard and bonus templates to help you apply what you learn in our three hours. And just to put a little bow on it, you also get a certificate of completion to show up wherever you can see. If you'd like to find out what is coming up next and which one is our next marketing deep dive, all you have to do is go to amschool.click slash masterclass. There you'll be able to find our schedule with our upcoming masterclass for you to join. On with today's show. Hello Rebel, are you still waiting to optimize the website of yours to bring all the best leads to your new or old online home? Well, I have something to help you do just that. Hostinger is changing the game with their managed WordPress hosting. It's like having a dedicated WordPress butler handling all the nitty-gritty website business for you. Of course, I took Hostinger's managed WordPress for a spin, and it's a game changer. It's fast, it's secure, and loaded with premium features, all without the premium price tag. They got your back with updates, backups, and top-notch security, aka peace of mind. This is a performance powerhouse for your WordPress site. Lightning fast load times, rock solid uptime, and a user-friendly control panel. Whether you're a WordPress newbie or a seasoned pro, Hostinger has you covered. Ready to elevate your WordPress experience? Zoom over to hostinger.com AMS and use the promo code AMS to snag 10% off and claim your free domain transform your WordPress journey today. On with today's class. Hi, Marketing Rebels. It's Pam here, your marketing BFF and a teacher at Old Marketing School, a modern school teaching you how to market to hearts. And together each week, we'll share the freshest news, tactics and insights you simply can't miss. And today I'm joined by the one and only Becca. Hi, Becca. Hello. Before we start class, before I ask Becca what has been going on and the topic of this week will potentially surprise you and shock you, uh, I want to remind you to join our student community. Come, come, become a marketing rebel. Come and join us. Get access to expert workshops every month. Our all access pass to all our short courses and masterclasses. And we even have plans that unlock the whole library of plug and play templates, our monthly strategy planning sessions, and even quarterly live sprints. And this month, we just added a sprint. 
So it, an event, a live event that's going to happen next week at time of this podcast being released, all about email marketing, which means I have a little bit about email marketing tactic for you today. And if you want to join us, all you have to do is go to amschool.click slash library to join the rebels. Without further ado, may today's class begin with my question to Bex. What's been going on? What's the tea? What's the platform that everybody's still talking about? Tell me everything. What is the tea? Well, you know, our, our, one of our faves, I think it's fair to say, LinkedIn, compared to the others. Um, so many new things happening recently. But this particular thing which caught my attention was creator mode. Now, dun dun dun. Creator mode, for anyone who's been living under a rock, if you ever visit a profile on LinkedIn and you see up kind of near that person's headline and name some hashtags, it's because they've got creator mode turned on. The hashtags we use is a quick way for you to be able to be like, I talk about paid social, TikTok, email marketing, you name it. You choose those hashtags. And then it would also allow for you as the creator to have some more in-depth insights just into like the impressions and engagements you were getting because that is my bugbear with LinkedIn from a personal profile uh, perspective is that the analytics are a little bit, you know, there could be more. Anyway, that's what creator mode was. And now, dun, 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 it's going, it's going. And at first I was alarmed and I was ready to absolutely cry and just think, oh no, because it's something that I have actively been encouraging people to do. So like clients and people who want to get more into thought leadership on LinkedIn, I've been saying, turn on creator mode. It will help, it will help you understand a little bit more from the analytics, but also those hashtags I thought were pretty useful actually. Anyway, so it's going. Why is it going? Because now everyone will be able to get those features. So the hashtags are actually, it sounds like going for good. This is sort of part of a bigger shift that LinkedIn are doing, where it's less about hashtags to identify what types of content you might be talking about. And it's more about the content itself, right? So if you're talking about, let's say, I'll use paid social again as the example. It will gather that you're talking about paid social by the content that you are either writing or, you know, if it's a video, you don't necessarily need to write hashtag paid social you still can and i think we probably will still see people using hashtags forever potentially because it's just so ingrained into our habits but technically you don't need to use them so that's going um but the analytics bit which i'm hoping maybe they will improve on if they're kind of rolling it out to everybody will be now available to everyone which i think will be super helpful for people who maybe have either not come across creative mode before or maybe they've been ignoring it and it's like well now you'll have access with less so it's pretty good I did cause me alarm at first I panicked but actually I think it's a really positive indication of the way that the platform is going and just further emphasizes like make sure you've got your LinkedIn strategy sorted you know like everyone is now seen as a creator people that are sleeping on it you know what are you doing get get over there get going official seal of approval from Becca get over it and actually that's a really good point because if you listen to our previous episodes 
namely last week's roundup with Emma as well, on top of our first ever live podcast with Gus Bandon, who is one of the top UK LinkedIn trainers. We have been talking a lot about the good and the bad and the ugly, understanding how LinkedIn has literally become, going to sound weird, the new TikTok in a oh. way. Oh, she went there. Hi. I'll explain why. And then Becca, you tell me if you, you know, if you relate to, or if you agree or disagree. In a way that there was a year before, after, sorry, the lockdown, TikTok is born. TikTok is booming. There was then an era, a short era of how can I create a TikTok strategy? You know, instead of like, should I be on it? Should I not be on it? It's only for X, Y, and Z, which is also what we've seen on LinkedIn. Is this only for X, Y, and Z? I think now is the era of, no, we know it's a platform that it's important for us to be on. I need to actually build a strategy that makes sense for me. So that's what I mean by being the new TikTok in a way, because more marketers are in this conversation. And when you think about social media marketing, I think it's going to be really interesting for eco chambers like said TikTok or Instagram, where you see a lot of people marketing to the same people to show them how to be good on that platform and I'm wondering whether there's going to be a lot more marketers also starting to talk about other platforms that are not the echo chamber of TikTok on TikTok and Instagram on Instagram what do you think am I making sense no you are you are I think it will be like you say positive for people to think about LinkedIn as a almost like a proper marketing channel but from a personal perspective because I think historically if you said to somebody, you've got your company page, what are you going to post on it? They'd kind of know what to do and have, even if they didn't actually, they'd know, okay, I need to build a proper strategy for that and target this audience and have this content, all of that good stuff. I feel like the personal bit has been almost, it, it feels like it's taken ages for everyone to get around to that kind of point of view. So I'm hoping, as you say, from a strategy perspective, people will now treat it with the same level of importance they might have once held the company page at because I think they've swapped and I've definitely seen with clients, you know, the company page performance, it can still be good, but definitely newer companies who maybe haven't had a presence for a very long time, company pages take ages to get off the ground. Whereas if you have the individuals who are, you know, at the heart of that business talking and and probably saying quite similar content to be fair, it gets such um, greater traction than it would on the company page. So I feel like people have understood the importance of it a bit more. On the TikTok thing, oh, well, no, I do agree, actually. Um, I think there's this thing, this kind of behavior that we can't get away from where, like you say, it's almost recycled content from like two or three years ago or even longer, I was COVID, four years ago, wow. Where people are just like, you've got to use this for TikTok, da 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 One thing I am seeing a slight shift on, which I'm I'm hoping actually is a positive one, is, and this is quite specific to my own interest, but that's my algorithm for me, huh? Um, is more of an emphasis on B2B content on TikTok because I think there's such a high saturation of content on TikTok, as you say, of like, this is how you use TikTok, this is how you do this, da 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 and it's all like B2C focused or people saying, you know, like hacks that I just don't really believe in. I think that's not what we should be promoting. It should be a much more strategic approach 
and you're considering your audiences and you're considering your content, don't just follow like, oh, this is how you hack the system. It's not going to work. So yeah, I think I think that's a little shift that um, I've seen on TikTok, hopefully for the better. To be honest, one of the things that in general I have noticed, as you say, is more of a focus on the foundations and people talking about it. And part of me is like, yes, of course, we need to talk about the foundations because and no strategy will be able to function if you don't have the foundations you can get back to and review if things stop working instead of just the tactics. But then also part of me is also just happy that it's talked about. I'm somebody who's been doing marketing for 15 years and teaches this to their students all the time. Um, one of the interesting things that you mentioned as well, I'm just going back slightly on the LinkedIn because you mentioned the difference between the pages and the profiles and how to tackle them. Would you like, dear listener, you can answer, but I can't hear you. So dear listener and Becca, would you like to hear our own LinkedIn strategy that we eventually landed on? Oh, share, spill the tea. The tea about the AMS LinkedIn strategy. We were in a pickle, talking all about food right now. We were in a pickle as they say in this country, because when it came to LinkedIn, I found that I was stopping myself from posting on the page of AMS because I tried everything at first, which is okay. It's a strategy of trying what works and what doesn't. So I tried a lot of things to see what stuck. But I also found that then I felt I was either repeating myself or I was talking instead on my personal profile of my journey as an entrepreneur in a completely different way. And it didn't feel cohesive for me to reshare what I was doing on the page, which was a shame because pages with big following are actually, I have a lot of traction. So I wanted to try and mimic strategies that I've seen again and again working for other pages, which is doing one thing and doing it well. Posting only a couple of specific types of content instead of the throwing the kitchen sink. So I went back to the kitchen sink and I look at everything that I threw and I started to identify what worked. And there were some outliers, but I still wasn't happy because I felt it was still going to be things that you've seen before, like great campaigns, which is amazing. But there are so many other pages that share marketing campaigns. So I go back to the question, what can I share on the company page that maybe I wouldn't share in my personal that is very unique to us and I can reshare naturally? And so two content formats or content kind of pillars, call them however you wish, appeared. Pillars are like topics in case you're completely new to them, to the term. One of them was events because we have lots of free events right now. And if you're a dear listener, you will know. If you are a member of our student community, God, you'll know. And I thought this is another free avenue for us to post the new events and people can just RSVP and then we remind them obviously to get the goddamn tickets. But I thought that would be a great way to do it in the company page because we can invite the speakers and that can become almost a bulletin of the new events that are coming up as we roll them out. And also the podcast videos. I thought that would be a great way to obviously tag people. It's a bit more manual because it, you cannot tag profiles with scheduling. You can tag company pages, but not profiles. But it's worth it because then I tag myself as well. I then reshare it. Then obviously the, the, the person usually does reshare it as well, the guest. And I thought this was going to be a lot simple, a lot more streamlined. And it still allows me to post a couple of times a week because there's always a new podcast episode and stuff like that. And I found that became a lot easier for me to keep up, a lot clearer in the intent, but also I actually started to see a much more streamlined growth than what I was expecting. So from a strategy perspective, what are your thoughts as a strategist that hears something like this? 
I I like it. I like it a lot. You'll be relieved. No, this is exactly the approach that I think others can learn from as well, which is don't just try to do everything. I think also there's maybe a misconception that because on LinkedIn, you might see creators posting very, very frequently. I think there's almost a pressure or, yeah, as I say, a misconception that company pages should try to match that rate. And I'm not saying it's impossible to do, but I think for the most part, you know, they're receiving less reach, generally speaking, company pages. So why, like you say, why always waste that content? If you've got bounds and bounds of things to say, prioritize where that would be best coming from like you have. So is it company page appropriate? Is it maybe more appropriate to come from yourself and make, you know, your LinkedIn company page have a purpose? Because like, you you know, in your experience, it sounds like you've now collected essentially the right people for the content that you are posting. Sometimes I work with clients and like they have a real scattergun approach and then question why engagement is low or they're not getting new followers or say what's a good example. Okay, so I have like a love-hate with sharing links on LinkedIn, right? That's hard to say. Links on LinkedIn. So it might be to like an article, for example. Not many people click and I get it, right? You're on LinkedIn. You kind of want to stay on LinkedIn when you're scrolling through. But I totally understand from a company page perspective, sometimes there's a reason why you want to send people to an article or maybe a press release or something. There can be like logical reasons, but it can be shared in a really boring way sometimes. And I think I've seen that frustration coming from people who are just posting link after link after link on their company page. I'm like, that's not interesting. You almost, as you've done as well, like save up for the right occasion, the like prioritize how important is this to be shared every single time? Or shall I wait until there's like something super significant in which your audience that you've been building along the way with more kind of tailored content you know, wait till it's, they're going to appreciate it. Because I think, yeah, I see lots of people just like spam, basically. It's like, no, what are you doing? That's not, no wonder you're unhappy with your engagement and everything because you're not thinking about it. You're not being strategic. I'll, I'll calm down. <laughs> it's like, um, it's exactly what we we're talking to Gus as well about in one of our episodes uh, when we talked about LinkedIn, which was the whole we're happy to announce. We're excited to announce, which I appreciate, but is always what you mentioned as well is understanding that at first your audience is going to be thinking, okay, what's in it for me in a quick and digestible way? If I'm going to make the effort, which I love you mentioned, to get out of the platform right now, which is where I'm happy to be, this is a good place to be. Why would I completely shift my focus on something else that takes me away from what I was doing anyway? It's such a fine and delicate balance and going back to the amazing uh, breakdown of our strategy that you gave us so thank you for that there is an element of what is the what is the value that I can get out of specifically your profile or your page which for us again for the pages is the place where you can find how to RSVP to our events quick is the best place for you to do that you know you can find otherwise in other places but that's where we mainly share it so it creates the uniqueness and Again, going back to the original point that you made, which is how 
the creator mode is now becoming for everybody. And the fact that with Emma as well, last week we talked about, is premium worth it? And by the way, I kept asking this question and some people answered after the podcast episode. So we're going to do an article about it because I got so many interesting answers still. It's so interesting to see how people feel about it. But what you mentioned about the piece of news this week, I think ties in with LinkedIn shifting to try and really create that thought leadership and starting to upsell and offer its own version of a blue badge. A golden badge, because why not? But you know what I mean? Eventually, we'll talk about this again and again. So if you go and listen to Becca and I's chat from the last couple of years, we asked ourselves, what, how is LinkedIn really going to supercharge and really make the most of their users in a way that they can actually offer something that is valuable? And I kind of wonder whether all of this is working together to get people to be on the platform more, to be more active users. And then if and when they feel like they really want to use this as the lead generation tool that it is, they've got the option to upgrade. And just on that, you just sparked a moment of looking back in all of our chats. When we used to talk about Twitter or X and R, but like how chatty did it used to be as a platform, right? And it was a place maybe around events or big changes in the industry. And because that's hugely decreased, obvious reasons and you know I won't talk anymore about that because I don't like it anymore I think this is why another reason why LinkedIn are going down this route because they've got this captive audience who are looking for that place to be sharing more frequently than say five years ago it would have been straight if you said five years ago post every day on LinkedIn like that's the norm even if I'm what no who put why why would you need to and now I think we're seeing people having moved over. It has become the norm, but I would argue all the more reason to be strategic because there is so much content out there being published so frequently. It's really interesting how with the insights, like I was saying it's 2020 or something like that. Again, excuse the foreigner moment here, but there's something like hindsight is 2020, I think it is. If I said it wrong, then listen and bear with me. Um, bear. I do my best, but there is some truth in that is now we can see actually the shift and each step of the way as we were seeing the changes, we were putting our prediction hats on and thinking about what would it mean for the different platforms. And yeah, we can't hinder the fact that from X to LinkedIn felt quite a natural shift. I still feel we're not done yet with that shift, but I can genuinely see, I don't know, I, 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 the one part of me doesn't want X to become the next clubhouse, but I only go there if I have a support issue and I cannot get in touch with the with email, like people on email. It's really sad, but that's the truth. And I think LinkedIn has got such a chance now to really, as you say, become the place for you know updating on the events that you've been and learnings and lessons, and it becomes a lot more vibrant from that. And that is a huge subset of an audience that I didn't have just because it was another place that, to be honest, was a lot chattier and a lot easier to share. And I think by LinkedIn making it easier and easier for people to share is really building itself into a place that for now has also got a really good environment. It's interesting to see the different types of people that interact and that share. And I think now a lot of individuals are becoming also more vocal about what they don't want to see on the platform. You know, like the push for asshole culture or, you know, generalization. I think LinkedIn is becoming also more attuned to that, which is really refreshing. I don't know if you've seen it too, but as well as just talking about it because you are passionate about, for example, inclusion or diversity. In general, 
there are also more conversations from people that might not be in that sphere that want to talk about things like, I want to be more open on LinkedIn about X, Y, and Z, or we need to remember about the fact that, you know, every person's opinion is different and experience is different. I've seen more of that. Maybe it's only my network. I don't know, but I've seen a lot more of those conversations in my connections here. No, I agree. I think I've seen almost a shift into more vulnerability in the, maybe the last few months or six months or so, which I think is a good thing. And also a, almost like a, what word am I looking for? Like recognition of the, the times, as it were. And I'd say it, LinkedIn, I think we're seeing more of it because it almost feels safer, I, I think, to perhaps TikTok. Partly because you can have longer form written text, which for some people is much easier. And especially if you're being vulnerable and opening up, that can feel more accessible. And also in a way, because we are consuming so much video content, it's almost like, yes, there's a lot about LinkedIn too, but it's a way to, again, break that up and tell your story and almost have. What I really enjoy, and this is on the back of that point, is like having conversations in the comments as well. I think I really enjoy that on LinkedIn and I've seen more more of that as well. And like proper conversations, not just, this is great, yeah. Or, wow, thanks for sharing. Actual like debate or like deep conversations happening, which I think is really good. I wonder whether that is also because people feel safer to, as I say, the vulnerability piece to actually share and ask questions because you are doing it with strangers. And I think going back to the final point, just to close this this LinkedIn adventure, even on platforms like Instagram, I cannot really currently imagine myself having a deeper conversation in the comments also because of the format, also because it's mobile first. I think that definitely doesn't help. But in general, just you will feel very overwhelmed, like having to then answer like a really, really big conversation. So it will keep, honestly, you'll take it into the DMs, which is totally fine. So yeah, I think there's a lot of potential on LinkedIn. I'm really, really excited about that and see where that leads. So if you want to dive deeper into the topic, put in the show notes, the last two episodes, because that's literally all we talked about is LinkedIn, as you can see. There is a reason for that as well. And um, before we close off today, lesson in action. We have our lesson in action. And this week I was thinking about what did I really love? What is a little lesson in action that I loved? And I'm actually going to go back to last week's podcast episode 167, Look at Me, with Brennan Dunn, who I'm a huge fan of. And in the episode, if you listen to the episode two, you will see that I'm absolutely fangirling half the way through, which is probably hilarious, if anything, for me. And he has, you know, talking about emails, I mentioned to you that there's going to be a sprint coming up next week, all about email marketing, three sessions happening throughout. You can find, again, the link to that in the show notes. And I wanted to share one email tip from Brennan that really jumps out because I'm thinking about emails all the time for the past couple of weeks. What he does, he uses personalization at scale. And I think you're going to love this back and I want to hear your opinion afterwards. So what he does, he has a very simple model that he shared in the podcast that is all about be building tailored email journeys for their subscribers. So whenever somebody joins his email list, he wants to find out what they want to achieve as a goal. So maybe it's growing their audience, turning subscribers into customers, automating their marketing. So what he does, we'll hear from him in a second, a quick extract. He actually has started to segment these people based on those goals. And when he does that, he has a set number of emails that will be delivered specifically to the people in the segments around their primary goal that they need. 
what it means is that for the first couple of weeks, I think almost a couple of months, that somebody's signed up to his list, people will get two emails. One, uh, an email that it writes every week, like a Thursday email, and then also a best of email that is an email specific to the goal that the subscriber has that comes from a collection of emails on the specific topic, which basically means double the emails, half the effort, and it really speaks specifically to his new subscribers. While Becca's thinking about it, I'm actually going to play a little extract that he shares about this because I've, I really wanted to talk about it because the Evergreen newsletter system was so exciting to me. I have like 150 pieces of content that if you join today that I've already sent out that you probably would never see. So what I've done is I've set, I've gone through and I've got, I got a big Google Doc and listed every piece of content that I've sent. And then I just started grouping it into like, which one's about automation, which one's about audience growth, which one's about sales. So those are the three kind of groupings that I did. If you join my list today and your focus is on audience growth, you get the welcome sequence that's very focused on audience growth and how I plan on helping you. And then for the next four or five months, every Tuesday, you're going to get an email from me about audience growth. On Thursdays, you're going to get another email from me, but that's my live email. So you get two emails from me a week. The Tuesday one is evergreen, but it's specific to what you shared with me. And then the Thursday email is whatever happened to be sending that week. My bad is four to five months. It's a lot of, so it's a big backlog of emails that you can actually use. So yeah, that's, that's his system. And I was obsessed. I haven't done it yet, but I was very tempted to replicate. What, what are your thoughts? I love this so much. I, I feel like email is so a little bit similar to what we've been saying earlier with like lack of strategy. Some people will just set up an email list and kind of blanket send everybody the same content and again, be questioning why is this not performing? Why is the open rate low? You know, it's not generating the engagement I was expecting. It's like, well, this is why. Also, I know I would never probably see or know that if I was the one signing up, but I would really appreciate the content being so tailored. And I, like now knowing that, I'm like, well, I, w- I want to sign up. Let me sign up because I want to see this tailored content. Like that to me is more valuable than signing up to something that might be or could be quite generic. Even if like the overall thing is relevant, right? I would be more inclined to want to subscribe if I knew there had been the thought put behind it. Whilst and particularly, I actually really like the fact that once a week, there's still like that regular check-in with this, you know, maybe more up-to-date or a bit more, I don't want to say casual, but you know, potentially more conversational and then you get the content. I really like it. It's great. I honestly asked him all the questions and the podcast could have been 16 hours, but it wasn't because I was really, really restrained. And that's also the reason why our next live sprint, which is modeled on our self-paced lab, I should say, but is going to be all about that because we, I really want to dive deep into an email marketing strategy that doesn't have to be complex, but it is based on a simple way to personalize by thinking about the audience journey. So that's what we're going to do live together. Again, check that in the show notes. Check all the things. You listen to this, you listen to that, you're amazing. Now you can go and listen to everything else, whether you want to talk about LinkedIn or email. We definitely got you covered this week with lots more resources. Becca, before we go, thank you so much for being here. 
Remind us again where people can say hello and talk LinkedIn with you these days. Well, you can find me on LinkedIn. You can you can find me everywhere apart from that channel that we don't like anymore. Um, at Becca Social. <laughs> Go and say hi to Beck. And after that, deep breath. Remember to be kind to yourself and others. And true marketing speaks to hearts, as we've shown today, not just minds. And until next time, class dismissed. Mm-hmm.